1: The Westwood
2: One Podcast Network. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness.
4: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Team Never Quit Podcast. My name's Andrew, joined by Marcus and Morgan. What's up, guys? Hey, hey. We've got someone freaking awesome on the show today. Ethan Suplee, host of the American Glutton podcast, known for being a plus size actor with roles like Randy Hickey and my name is Earl, Louie and Remember the Titans. Evolution. This guy. Legendary. Wolf of Wall Street. American history. Deepwater horizon. This goes on and on. But he's gone through my a name major is Earl. transformation. Lost. The Google says 250-plus pounds, but after talking to him today, probably more Five, like 500-plus well, like pounds.
2: More than that, because he flux went back up, back <laughs> down. Because he just like,
4: kept losing. He's jacked now. We can't wait to hear more of his story. We can't wait for you guys to hear it. But before we do that, we got a Patreon question of the day coming from Benjamin. Marcus, Morgan. It seems like the Seals are the best at staying in the present and not looking too far into the future. I'm sure that pertains to Bud's. What's your suggestion for relinquishing ourselves from the anxiety of needing to know what's coming next, trying to always prepare for what is ahead instead of what is right now in front of us? It is the unknown of future events and outcomes that seems to get me stuck in my own head pretty often. I guess it comes down to the fear of failure.
2: That is, that is a well, you, you very asked your own question. complicated <laughs> question oh, to ask. I, and I only came to the realization recently in my life that somebody Looked at me one day like, "Hey, you know, you, you can't take a breath of air in the for the future. You can't take a breath of air in the past. You have to, t- you have to breathe right now in the present." And I, I lived my life just like you. I'm sure many of us do. What anxiety just gets you all spun up about what's coming on in the weeks ahead. And I'm not saying that proper preparation can't prevent you from failure, but you always have to realize that no matter what. There's really nothing you can do to change or redirect what's coming down the pipe. You just have to accept it. So why get spun up about it? Well, that's why you, li- you live the day. You seize the day and save the day. It's, uh, and the SEAL team, I mean, the only easy day was yesterday. That sucker's gone. And tomorrow you have no idea if that's coming. Go ahead and plan for it all you want. That's where the anxiety comes from. Planning for something that you have no idea, I mean, the, the, what could alter that. I think we, I think we learned in buds, bro, that you cannot prepare yourself for how fucking horrible tomorrow's going to be. So why even worry about it? But would you say, Morten, would you life. say that,
4: like, if we were breaking it down for a second, you said a minute ago, like, you just recently came to this. Yeah, yeah he's like, said, he's, like
2: so, I got anxiety from always for always trying to prepare for what's in the future as a, instead of preparing for what's next. Yeah, man,
0: right that's now. your
2: problem. You prepare for what's coming next, not what's in the future, like what's standing right there in front of you. And it's not anxiety, it's anxiousness. Your body's like ready to get into it. If you're trying to tackle the stuff that's ahead of you, you're skipping the thing that's in front of you. And each thing that's in front of you is designed to train you for what's coming down the pipe. Yes, correct. That's right. Well said. Okay. Yep. That's exactly how it was said. Yep. I'll stop right there. Everything that you are doing now to prepare yourself and address what's happening next Will prepare you for what's coming down the pipe in the future. So, don't, so you, and realize that and understand it. And yeah. So what buds does man is it takes us to nothing and beats us down. Even even when you when you pass something or you accomplish something, it's still beating us down. That's why they call it buds because it's just you and your buddies there. And I, I mean, no, no, matter what, <laughs> no matter what, no matter what, <laughs> I how I would say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the only way we can do this through our buds, man. And we go no matter how, how we climb, man. No matter how far they break us back down, we can always go back to hey, man, we was buds. You know, we were there together. We, went and we didn't have nothing. They took everything away. From, every, every identity that goes into that program is why it's so unique. And I mean, there are other special forces and they're all great. I'm not taking anything away from it. Nobody messes with water like we do. And that's the ultimate equalizer. And them guys that you go through that with, I and mean, then it just beat us. To, that's our job. To take. To, it's like a suffering camp. And when you come out of there, man, there ain't nothing else to make you suffer like that until they separate us. That's what we don't like. <laughs> you yeah, you know what I mean? All right, you? so i re, re- rereading the question again. Relinquish ourselves from the anxiety of needing to know what's coming next. Trying to always prepare for the future instead of what is right now in front of us. So our advice is to address what you have right now. That gives you proper preparation for what's next and what's coming down the pipe in the foreseeable future. Because if you try to plan for something that's in the foreseeable future, that might not ever happen. And you plan for something that never never came to fruition. Yeah, man. Morgan I want to climb Everest. I always imagine myself already at the top, so I don't have to climb that damn thing. But I know that I'll have to start getting mentally prepared for it right now. You know what I'm talking about? So that's how you get, that's how you get overwhelmed, because you start planning for stuff in the future. And normally that requires people, because you're going to be doing something. So you, gotta, you don't even know what they're doing.
4: Yeah. Or learn behavior. You yeah, might not have got the, I mean, yeah. You're not equipped yet. Hell,
2: you might not even make it. You might, you know, you might not even make it to the next day, man. So what we you say? Seize the day. It's like when you wake up in the morning, everything you're going to need immediately is right around you. Yeah, I, I really, I really got rid of my anxiety just after convincing myself that I need to appreciate what I'm doing
4: right now. Right now, yeah. And and, and that's, that's the word, hardest thing to do is yeah, slow down. And, and that's a word of encouragement, Benjamin, is the fact that like we're sitting in a room with two team guys who will admit to you guys that not every Navy SEAL has got it all figured out, and like. You can learn every single day, and you're not the only one that's faced this, you know, challenge of focusing on what's in the he- what's ahead. You just have to come to grips with what's going on right now. And it's so much easier to do that when you got people around you. I mean, that are willing to go through your day with you.
2: That's what what, what that family and friends thing is all about, man. You just kind of great question. Yeah, yeah it is, Benjamin. Thanks for
4: being a part of the team. Thanks for asking your question. If you'd like to get your questions answered. Join us at Patreon. If you haven't seen that sweet challenge coin we just dropped for our Patreon members, head over to our Instagram, team underscore never quit. You can see our team coin. It's awesome. Patreon.com slash team never quit. I just saw the last part of this question. It says, I guess it comes down to fear
2: of failure. You know how you get over your fear of failure? Fail. Get out there and keep, that's the only way you can get over your fears. You got to get out there and do it. And then eventually, it'll, it, it, man, you just, you it, you overcome it. Hell, is everybody so scared of getting dressed, standing up, going out, eating everything else, man. And that, that's what that is. Yeah. Fear is your fuel for your willpower. Don't be f- fearful to fail. I learn more in failure. <laughs> No right That allowed me to be more <laughs> successful down the road than I ever did from a success. Hell, if you didn't fail, that means you already knew how to do it. Then you wouldn't have to go in there and you probably wouldn't be interesting. The whole reason you get interested and you go in to fail is because that whole thing, it's, that's the ride. Like you're interested in something that's going here. So, you know, both sides of it. When I was in a leadership position in the Navy, I would, if there was something that was presented to us and my men, I would intentionally step out front just to fail in front of them. So they would know what not to do. Hmm. And as my enlisted role in the military, I was always failing for it Dude, just to just be there with him. <laughs> yeah, don't ever, don't ever, don't be, hey, don't run right around man, with us, man. Don't, don't be, don't be scared to fail, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Do not be scared. Hell, I've been I'm failing, i should be the last five years. You're asking <laughs> us, you're asking, asking us do. about the whole fear of failure. And the reason you're asking us that is because we did it our whole lives. Every day in SEAL training is meant to be a failure. Even if you pass. Even if you pass, they every fail every single day. They fail you just to show you how and successful are to the you're mess be out of you on the back on the other end, <laughs> and they, you know talk down to you. Just I mean, it's unbelievable. It's awesome. When I mean, they stick us underwater, for a <laughs> we did that. Not a, yeah, get your ass kicked through three and a half years of training, and then go put you in an ice box underwater for six eight hours for five years, and we'll send you overseas. Let's see What that does for your mental, get you in some combat, and get you so that you know, it's like you temper steel. You get really hot, really cold, and you send it over to war and beat the mess out of it. You bring it back, do it again, send it back over, and then eventually
4: you get us. Well, I promise you guys that this interview we're about to get into is probably going to help you. This will motivate you. This will motivate you. It'll get you going.
1: i am looking forward to this, man.
4: All right, let's get to Ethan.
1: Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Saving start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants.
4: Well first of all welcome to the show Ethan we're super excited to have you and let's kick off the mad minute. Okay what's the craziest dare you ever took?
3: Uh I feel like it it started like eating something crazy in Asia like fried crickets on the side of the road and that was maybe the craziest dare I've ever done. Oh uh we also uh, me and a buddy bribed our way into the uh this was this was kind of a dare like we were going into the great pyramid in Egypt and and it was crowded, and and I think I like said we we ought to just bribe somebody to get in here once everybody leaves. And he said no, you can't do that. And and it was kind of like we challenged each other, and we did it. And yeah, that's a dare, right? And got <laughs> yeah, yeah, that counts. We were we 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 bribed our way into the pyramid after hours at night, and felt uh, felt very it felt very risky to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, how'd it go? Keep going,
3: because I, I want I hadn't been there yet. I heard it's something. Yeah. Like the, it's, it's, it's very touristy. And there are like, from, from the last time I was there, there were two periods of time where you can go, but like they let a couple hundred people inside at once. And it's like, uh, I mean, your you're sardines in there. And, and we went in and we were like, this is insane. Um, if, if there's, you know, obviously there's structural integrity to that thing because it's been there for thousands of years. But like it just felt unsafe with all those people. So we, we went out and we kind of sat and watched the entrance and watched the dudes who were guarding the entrance and just talked ourselves into bribing the dude once it was shut down for the day. And and, and he was pretty amenable to 20 bucks to just letting us <laughs> back in by ourselves. <laughs> yeah, over
2: there it's not bribery. Over there it's just business. You showed up late. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey man, we just got here. Here's, here's 20 yeah
3: yeah um and we went in we hung out for a while the 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 in the act actual king's chamber it's the acoustics are pretty weird and we, we wound up just you know not like hippies or anything but we were like humming just because y- you would make a noise and it and it would reverberate for longer than i've ever heard anything echo before and so You know, the, just the sound of our voices was so crazy in there that we just sat, sat in there for an hour or so. That was, that was the whole thing. Did
2: did that guy hang out with you that you you gave the 22 or did he just turn y'all loose?
3: No, no, he let us go. We we just walked in. He stayed out front. Oh, he's probably like 20 wow. bucks. Hope you
2: don't get turned around down there, buddy.
1: He probably didn't even work there. Yeah, yeah. He probably didn't even work there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, Some dude threw me a 20. White guy didn't speak. So I just let him go. <laughs>
3: yeah, I bet that was it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Could I, I just throw, hey, I'm an American. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Sweet. Follow that tunnel. <laughs> All right. Next one. Uh, what is the strangest family tradition you have in your family?
3: Because we're always looking for new ones. Strangest family tradition. Um, oh man, what do we do? We're pretty normal. I mean, we do. I I, I, I find it strange. So growing up, I, I had a sister, a mom, and a dad, and and like Thanksgiving was just us, Christmas was just us. As kids, we did we didn't we very rarely saw other family or friends on those holidays. You know, occasionally my grandparents would come into town and we'd spend those holidays with them. But like the biggest it would ever be with six people. My wife, her father was married a number of times. And I think has, you know, there's some contradiction here. It depends on who you ask, had anywhere from 11 to 13 kids. Mm -hmm. And, and her mom was also married a number of times and had six kids, three with her father. So we did, we, we, my, my wife and I have for the past 20 years, had all the holidays at our house. And it got to be where it was just direct siblings, like not even branching out to aunts and uncles. And there is some overlap. Some of the siblings become aunts and uncles and cousins to other people. But uh, we would have around 60 people at our house with just my wife's immediate family. Now, for me, hosting 60 people is completely insane. And so I find every holiday to be uh, a bit of a carnival. Well,
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. That's not, you're not hosting a man. You're just throwing a party. <laughs> you get that much. Exactly. But you got, but then, but then they want all the trappings of like a traditional uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas. So you got to do Turkey for 60 people, ham for 60 people. Oh yeah. You know, something like that. And, then seating everybody is is crazy. So, I, I, you know, having grown up and having had such a small family to go to this massive leap and having to include everybody because they are all brothers and sisters and wives and husbands and children, to me, it, it feels very odd, these traditions where we have 60 people over for dinner.
2: That's why we only have them like once or twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's get into this. I can't wait to hear it, man. We're just, we're just curious as to how all this started for you. Cause I've got trigger points that when you hit them, I'm going to ask you questions just cause I have to know some things. Okay. But go ahead, bro. Well,
3: I, I would, I would go way back to my childhood at, at five years old. I was, if you look around the landscape of America today, I was probably a lean five-year-old kid by today's standards. But, in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, I was a heavy kid. Um, and I went to visit my grandparents and they freaked out about my, my chubbiness, uh, which, because at the time it was still chubbiness and kind of started restricting my food. And I, 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 I developed one summer, just this idea that eating in front of people was not good. Um, that it should be something I'm embarrassed by and so I just started sneaking food a lot. And and as a child I got heavier and heavier. But when I when I kind of became autonomous and had a car and started to work, all hell broke loose and I started to eat uh just insane amounts of food and i got really big and my my heaviest was 536 now i say that was my heaviest that's the most i ever got on like a freight scale and i knew for sure this is how much i weighed i probably gained some weight after that so but the 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 number that i saw objectively as a true measurement of my weight at the heaviest was 536 um And I was an actor and I kind of had no trouble meeting girls and could fake my way through a conversation and pretend to be confident and and all like that. So there was no kind of um, urgency for me to lose weight. I, I was I was, you know, working constantly at the size I was and had no trouble earning a living like that and. And then I I met who became my wife, and at some point I realized that if I wanted to have a long life with her in the manner that she wanted, I was going to have to change my behavior. And I kind of went to her one day and was like, look, I I had like a weird experience with a dude on a plane, another actor who, who... who basically just had a conversation with me that typically I, I would put on this kind of front of being a tough kid. And, and I did have a number of fights with kids who called me fat in school. And so I would just be either unapproachable or really friendly. And with this actor, I was really friendly and he started talking to me about how I was basically in his opinion, going to hell. And I think he was doing this. I mean, I know he was doing this out of compassion, but to me, it was just like, holy mo- I, I don't ever want to be in a situation where somebody can feel like they can have that conversation with me again. Uh, you know, because I couldn't fight the dude on the plane. I couldn't, you know, tell him to kick rocks and like- Wait, How how long was the flight? Was that- was, that, was, that, was that Jim, <laughs> I mean, how long was the conversation? Was that Caviezel? Yeah, Caviezel. I was flying from LAX to Frankfurt, and then I was going on to Romania- and I don't know where he was. Plenty going of get time. Plenty, plenty of time. Oh, <laughs> is that I who you were on the plane I with? Think he, yeah, will talked to me. Ask me how about, I knew that.
2: I, <laughs> That's the first thing popped into my that? head. That's a random guess, but ask me how I knew that. He, he told, talked to us about the same thing. I mean, sorry. Go, oh, really? Co- oh, bro. Oh, yeah, bro. Jim. Hey, I may mean, call you up. You better be he ready. Finds for two you. And a half hour. Yeah, bro. Man, when he calls, be ready. Yeah. Got something to tell you. All right. Yeah, this is great. Keep going, buddy. Keep going. Sorry. I mean, no. Look
3: in. In fairness, I couldn't even be mad at him. Uh, like I just had not had somebody sit down and have that conversation with me. My friends weren't having that conversation with me. Doctors weren't even real. you know, people would say like you should lose weight. I, I mean I was five hundred plus pounds. I was having a hard time moving around, you know. Um I wasn't at the point where I needed like a wheelchair to get around the airport, but like my life was so super restricted because of my weight and, and good for him for having uh, kind of the integrity to, to, to speak his mind on the, on the truth, on his truth. Like I, I appreciate that personally, I am a little bit more of a relativist and want people to find truth for themselves and all like that, which my wife says is um, just wishy-washy of me, but that's, that's what I feel is true. And so I don't think I would ever have a conversation like that with a person, but he did. He felt like it was the right thing to do. And I, I, I'm I've never even been mad at him. I mostly just came away from it feeling like I can change so that nobody could ever feel that way about me again. And I and I said to my wife, like, I don't know what to do. I've never been successful at this. I've never really wanted to do anything about this, but I want to do this because when I think about my life with you, I know this is going to eventually creep up on us. And, and she was like, great. Okay. I can help you. And, and she kind of uh, outlined this diet that, that I started the minute I got back to LA and I had a two month break from doing this movie that I then, finished up in Romania. And I, I went on a, a liquid diet that was just protein shakes. It was probably like six or 700 calories a day. And I watched the Food Network and became obsessed with food in a way that I wasn't eating it, but like learning about it and and started cooking and and lost 80 pounds in two months. And to be honest with you, like I would never do uh, an extreme diet like that today but i i don't have much weight to lose today and like I, I i think that that was the perfect thing to do at the time because i got such a huge chunk of it done so quickly and it was a uh, something i could hold on to like i i will never gain those 80 pounds again you know bro my wife stuck me
2: in the kitchen too and I, I started cooking the yeah, meals yeah. and I dropped 40, some, 50 pounds. I couldn't keep it on. And I never wanted to lose weight because I was skinny growing up. So it's funny because when, right. when big guys were like, Hey, you look like you lost weight. And like, Oh, thank you. And then some of us who were skinny, when you say we lost weight, you're like, what are you talking about? I'll go put it back on. I'm sorry. But yeah, I, I got a question. You said you started sneaking food when you were a kid. Did you, were you hungry and doing that? Or were you just doing it to sneak the food? And two, man, all the parts you play when we, we recognized you with that size. Did that kind of, was that a pressure to keep you, I guess that's why you never thought about losing the weight or I guess is what I'm asking. Or was that, was there pressure on that side to, to keep it, keep it
3: on? I never really first, first part when I was a kid and being hungry, I don't think so. I think I ate out of, I think I had a compulsion to overeat a little bit. And I also ate out of boredom a lot. Like if I was, if I was out running around, with my friends I wasn't thinking about food it wasn't like let's go to the liquor store a few blocks away or or let's find the ice cream truck that it wasn't that it wasn't that I was constantly hungry if I was sitting around at night watching tv I would eat if I was playing video games I would I would want to have food next to me to eat in between levels or, or whatever it was um I think it was mostly out of boredom that I was overeating and uh, a lack of of production on my part. Um, but I don't remember ever being hungry as a kid. I was never hungry. I was uh, I, I get hungry now, and it's just a reminder that like I I eat six or seven times a day now, and if I miss one of those meals, I notice hunger in a different way. But I'm even in a, a, a calorie restriction right now. And if I eat my meals when I'm supposed to eat them, I'm never hungry. Like hunger for me now is like something where I, I have to, I have to go way beyond, uh, when I'm supposed to eat. And then I know if I get onto a routine where I'm not eating breakfast or something, I'm never hungry. Like whatever my body figures out, it's just that when I change something that I feel hungry for a short period of time, but then once you adjust to it, I don't know, I'm not, such a hungry guy unless I'm missing some part of my routine. And then okay, second question you asked about uh work. I I didn't feel necessarily a pressure to stay big. I I remember at one point um I was doing a TV show called Boy Meets World. My first job was this TV show called Boy Meets World. I did a I did like three seasons of that show. And from the first season I did to the second, I gained weight i wasn't even aware of it, but my agent got a call from the producers, and the producer said to my agent, "Hey, he doesn't have to gain weight for this <laughs> and my agent called me and was like are are you trying to gain weight for this part and i said no and and my agent was like, "Well, they just said you don't have to gain weight and I thought, "Well okay, it doesn't mean I can't gain weight like i'm not yeah, even really weird, but you didn't say i didn't it. couldn't." Right. Exactly. Um, so I, again, just didn't do anything about it. I never had anybody complain that I was too fat. There was a a point for remember the Titans where it was suggested that I maybe diet before the movie started because we were going to have a football camp. Um, but it wasn't like a requirement. I, I wasn't told to lose fifty pounds or anything like that.
2: And you played that one just right because when you get out in the country, I mean, we got, got well, some of our kids were growing up are big, and they need to see themselves. Yeah, yeah you look like every offensive lineman we had on I, football team. I know. Team. I mean, like if you didn't do that and play that part, just kind of like look at, like you were just carrying your weight literally. Because when we were looking at you, right. I mean, all the guys when we watch that stuff, we all identify with somebody in the show. I think I read something somewhere you recently, maybe recently, because you're down all that weight, they've, they've have they, have they mentioned to you, Hey, you know, we liked you how you
3: used to be, or I did, I did have, um, I did, th- this was, this was a couple of years ago. So I, I had gotten real skinny, uh, in like 2011, just after my name is Earl, I was kind of like, It was awesome. It was a great experience. But I from the time we started in two thousand five till about two thousand ten, I actually gained about a hundred pounds doing that show. And afterwards I was like, I I want to lose this weight and I just started riding a bicycle. We we live in the hills and I got on like an old beach cruiser and rode up the hill and thought, Hey, I can do this every day. This is no problem. It's a great workout. And then I got kind of obsessed with it and was riding a bicycle every day and like going to Europe for all the the big bicycling races over there and riding those things. And and I I got down to actually being really thin and wasn't really happy with how I looked. Um, And it was kind of at that point that a casting director – said to to me like you are more interesting heavier like we're not thinking about you at the size you're at now but if you put on weight we we would be thinking about you again you're like i don't know how to take that (laughs) yeah i yeah i i actually went and did a tv show called chance I gained a bit of weight. I did this TV show chance. And during that I was like, well, she said I'm more interesting heavy. So I was eating pizza and burgers and anything I wanted, but I was also lifting weights just going like, it doesn't matter if I gain weight because I'm more interesting. And I put on a good amount of muscle, but way too much fat. And then was like, at the end of that kind of like, I want to lose the weight again. I'm more, I'm happier in my life. At a smaller size, you
2: know, bro. After carrying that much weight, I did the same thing. Mojo and I were real tiny when we joined the Navy, and then we got up plus two hundred and fifty, two hundred sixty pounds, and carrying that for twenty years, then dropping back down to two twenty, two fifteen. I mean, I can't
3: even imagine
2: how strong you are after carrying all that weight.
3: Yeah, my 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 legs are strong. Um, although I also like have weird knee injuries. So like squatting is, I'm not great with squats. I'm great on a leg press. I can put up a a bunch of plates on a leg press, but squatting feels weird on my knee. Anyway, I'm plenty strong. Like I don't even care at this point about strength. I go in the gym and I'm not even thinking about getting stronger. I just want to be able to lose fat and retain muscle. Like that's my number one goal today is like, how do I lift weights so that I can trick my body into believing that the muscle it has is being used to find food, and the caloric deficit I'm in doesn't start eating into the muscle? You know. Oh, well, sounds that like routine. you got
2: sounds like somebody you got somebody coaching you. Yeah, just that fine. routine feeds itself. The more you slack off yeah. on one side or the other, so you're looking for that home that stasis, that homeostasis, into where the body. I mean, when it lines out like that, you'll get up in the morning and still have that pump, but your injuries will heal up faster faster than they should. And with age, exactly. that, you know, that's kind of a precursor. That's that sets in that those knee problems, man. Would you say? Like, I mean, just just listening to your story thus far, Ethan. Would you say this 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 weight, just your weight fluctuation, has been your greatest never quit story? On top of everything else you got going on, it seems you, you pay a lot of attention to it.
3: I do now, and I and I've gotten. I've gotten smarter about it. I understand how it works more. I understand my body more today than I ever did. And just, the, just the, the, the kind of the, when I look around at America for me and I look at the accessibility of food, how every time I stop for gas, there's food. Every walk I take outside, I'm confronted at some point by food. You know, I, I live in the city, so I can't get very far without walking by a, a fast food restaurant or a convenience store, or you know, even some dude standing on the corner selling something delicious. Um,
2: right? Those are the best. Good I, lord, those little hot
3: dogs! Oh, anything on the street is the, is my favorite. My kids are kind of appalled, but I would rather eat a bacon wrapped hot dog oh, on the street, <laughs> you know, than go to some nice restaurant. That's that's like that's the best food for me. Um, but I have to recognize that my body's not gonna use that in the way that food is actually functional, you know. Yeah, but sometimes it's good to give it a treat.
2: <laughs> it likes treats too, you know. <laughs>
3: that's, that's a great, great treats. observation. I you love made. treats. And and you can't just be you can't just withhold yourself from these things. So I do factor in uh an occasional cheat meal, but but I don't it's not a free-for-all. I can't just go like Order a pizza and hit a McDonald's and get ice cream and do whatever I want. I got to think it through. I, I, I know how many calories I'm going to consume and, and like w- what that means to the work that I've already done that week. Am I going to totally wipe out the whole week's work? Well, that's not really worth it, but I can, I can mess with a day's worth of progress for a cheat meal, you know?
2: I never really thought about it, but 30 years ago, there was only one place you could eat at home. And now that's right. You walk outside your home and you have it's in your face so you think that's and what why breeds not? complacency i mean the, I mean, the, the, the obesity f- the obesity rate has grown exponentially over the decades and so is the ability to get food yeah but food is energy yeah. so does that make us work faster or does it no 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 they, not all food is energy <laughs> they putting that trash on the, the
3: street i get into this like we can you know and it, and i think it becomes trendy to to like pick a certain type of food like you know, um, animal products are bad and that's what the problem is, or, uh, carbohydrates are bad and that's what the problem is, or it's saturated fat is bad. And that's what the problem is. But for me, at the end of the day, it's just too much of any of it. And, and that's what my problem is. It's, it's that I'm only going to burn if I, if I have a killer day in the gym and do cardio, the most calories I'm going to burn without just doing cardio all day is about 4,000. If I eat 5,000 calories, I'm going to gain weight this week. You know? Um, sure. Well, every diet is different.
2: Just like every human's different. I remember back in the early right. late eighties, early nineties, very vividly. One of the Corey's had a bowl of pasta. And it was like, Hey, we need the high carb diet. That's the way you have to do that. Well, that one size yeah. fits all that, that doesn't even work in hats, so it's not going to make, right. make much sense in a diet. I mean, people are different, just like everything else is different. What you Some people can eat anything, and some yeah. people are healthy all the time, and then some people can't eat meat, and some people can't eat just grass and, and lettuce. I mean, if you, that's the perfect way to do that, and that's why all that stuff's out there. It's in moderation, and once you figure out what your machine runs on, then, man, you can t- dial it in and tune it up and r- run stuff wide open. I got a, I got a personal yeah. question for you, Ethan, if you don't mind. No, go. For so, it. I, I'm curious on what your message would be because in 2020, it the message is out for public consumption that what you are is beautiful. What you are is who you are. Embrace it. Never change. Someone who's been on both ends of the spectrum and seen what life is like to live at 500 pounds and at I don't I, you never said your lightest, but it, would you? what would you say to somebody would you would you, in your opinion is the message still the same hey just roll with it or hey look you know an all actuality it's behind the science and the nutrition and there's it there is a benefit to being one way or
3: the other And it becomes very tricky. I remember being 10 years old and very like cripplingly self-conscious about my body and like going to the beach and being frozen, almost in fear that if I sit still, nobody's going to see me. And then seeing my friends playing on the beach and and imagining like if I could just transport myself into the game they're playing. And then I would be blocked from view by, by the fact that there's a bunch of my friends there, but getting across the beach exposes me and I don't want anybody to look at me and judge me. And, and I don't think that that is good. I don't think that you can progress. Like I had to get to a place where I had the only person I really cared about not give a damn how I looked truly and and my wife is hot and she really didn't care how I looked. Like that was not a factor. She just loved me and it was this really bizarre thing. And even today I think back about when we first got together and go, how is that possible that you love me? Like, I don't understand that, but she did. And it was this weird compassionate thing from her where she was looking beyond my physical appearance and seeing something else that gave me the avenue to change. So I I find it really hard to want kids to be ashamed of their bodies. I also think that we're not doing a service to them. The, the way food is marketed is is kind of dishonest. The way the American diet is laid out is kind of dishonest. If you have kids that are not getting... Pushed to be physically active, you have every technological convenience in the world that is getting them less and less active as we progress, and yet the calories are going up and up. We're gonna we're gonna have a country that is uh, that is obese, and and we're we're rapidly on our way to that. I I, I don't think that's gonna be uh, optimum, but I also don't know that the the shame I felt as a kid was healthy. Now. I can't say that that came from anywhere, but just within me, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, I think it is, I think it is important that people know like what proteins, what its function is in the body, what's, what fats function is in the body, what carbohydrates function, all of these things are actually serve a function. And if, and, and there is no one size fits all because every single body is unique and every single person has preferences to food. And then there's going to be their, their the amount of rest they're getting. And if their sleep is getting disrupted, it could make them hungrier. If their hormones are off balance, it could make them hungry. Like there's all kinds of crazy factors that go into it, but you know, I have I don't think my kids before I started getting really into this, had any idea of what protein did for you. you, you know, like what, what does it do when you eat protein? What does it do when you eat carbohydrates? What does it do when you eat fats? What are micronutrients and what is fiber? What's the use of fiber? Like, why do we need to eat vegetables? So there's all these different things that that get overlooked, and and then we have you know the cheapest the cheapest and most abundant food on the planet in history, and we all have phones and computers and televisions and. And not many of us have a reason to go out and use our bodies the way we did when, when you, when you guys and I were younger, it just doesn't, it's a whole different landscape of energy consumption versus output.
1: Mm-hmm. That's well more said. of a mental, well said,
2: a, more of a mental lift for the kids now because of all the information and phones and everything that they have, as opposed to the physical, we had to get out and branch out and go find people. And I, I just wondered, I. Was it shame or self-consciousness? Because at the age of 10, your body's changing from the time you come in. You haven't even hit puberty yet. It literally kind of fluctuates every single day. Would you say you were the yeah. man that you are today if, you, if, you, if any of that had been changed?
3: Yeah, that's, and that's another good point. I don't know. I don't know if I, if probably I, not. If I don't go through all that. Probably not. Yeah, no, it's so not. Absolutely happens.
2: not. And the, reason your wife, the thing with the wife, my wife's hot too. That's why they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And when you're sitting there looking at something grow up and your parents look at you, they don't see that. They see something, the next version of them, it's beautiful. And as you grow through that, you get molded every single day, shapes you into what you're supposed to become. And those of us that can fluctuate in our weights, that's, that's kind of from hell from winter to summer.
3: I mean, that just happens bottom line. Yep. That's right. I think, I I, I think you're absolutely right. Like I, I don't, I don't go back and wish anything is, is different. Simply because I'm really happy where I'm at today.
2: I think we only start doing that when our kids get on the ground. What 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 weight are you down to now, Ethan? I'm at two hundred
3: and sixty now.
2: And that's your fighting weight. You
3: think now? You comfortable with that? Well, no. I I, listen at at all. The calculations I've done. and I I do this DEXA scan every two months. I Mm -hmm. I have five pounds of fat to lose, and then I'll be under ten percent body fat. And and that 5 pounds of fat is slow going so that could take another 2 months to lose that 5 without without losing any muscle cuz if i lose muscle then it's going to alter everything like i could lose that 5 pounds next week if i wanted sure, to sure yeah, yeah you could lose uh, a couple of days it, water it, weight yeah. yeah yeah exactly but it wouldn't be fat it would be water and maybe some lean tissue um so i i probably uh, the weight that I probably will try and aim for hanging out at is actually 275. I'm actually going to get down to 255, be at 9% body fat. Now, if you do calipers on me today, I'm at 10%. Jesus like Christ. Are you band, like nine foot tall? I'm 6'2. Holy um, Jesus, buddy. He's a brick. Shit. I'm a, I'm His legs up, must be just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I want to get, I want to get, you know, I want all the veins in my stomach and I want all that just, and that'll oh, be for well like that's
2: different, two, man. That's like that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Body sculpting. Yeah. That'll
3: be, I'll, I'll be there for two days. I'm not getting there and staying there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> that's hard. And then I'm going to, tr- yeah, I'm going to try to put on a little bit of muscle and, you know, with that, it's very hard to put on muscle and not put on fat. So it'll be like this kind of ebb and flow of, a little bit of muscle gain, and then a little bit of fat loss, and and I think I think I'm actually going to be healthy and happy at at around 275. 275, dude. Do you swim? I do. Yeah.
2: Okay. I was about to say, you why you need to jump in the pool. All right, man. I got to bring it back to movies real fast before we. I don't want to. I know you probably got something going on, man, but. uh, Evolution, by the way, that movie Evolution, loved it. I don't know if that was one of your <laughs> – man, I, I, it just looks like you guys had so much fun doing that. And Mr. Woodcock, how, how was it working with him? Yeah,
3: he was awesome. Billy Bob was awesome. <laughs> That's I've heard that. Yeah, we, we had so much fun. Evolution was fun too, man. David Duchovny was wild. I know, I've
2: met him. I played paintball against him um, uh, in L.A. one time. We had a blast.
3: Yeah, Good dude.
2: What's your, so, uh, you know, I'm sure during the holidays, you guys get around the TV together, all 60 of you, y'all watch your movies, but what's your, who's your favorite actor and what's your yeah, favorite movie?
3: Um, I never, ever watch anything I've been in. I actually came home one day and the kids were watching My Name is Earl after school and I and I was I was totally appalled and thought it was um, an absurd thing for them to be watching, but I don't watch any of that. Uh, my sister-in-law is in, um... Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, they're great. We were gonna bring that every single
2: day. My wife, it never
3: Christmas born, turn it on, never turn
2: it off. December 1st, tell your sister in law, that Marcus and Morgan love her very much. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. we We love that movie. I mean, that's one of our (laughs) family. We're talking about family traditions. That's one of ours. We watch a different Christmas movie every day, and then that one's on. We also, yeah, all of our crew, the boys that we grew up with since kindergarten, we all go uh jump in the water Christmas Eve, Eve. As a uh, no, we don't know, know why we do all that. Right, go, all right, awesome. go ahead, buddy.
3: Didn't mean to cut you off. So Christmas vacation, got it. Christmas vacation. Um, my favorite, my favorite, my favorite actor is this this old German actor named Peter Lorre. He he was in um, he was in a bunch of American movies. He was in Casablanca and Arsenic and Old Base, This awesome character actor, but he was in Fritz Lang's movies M and and a, a bunch of other uh, German movies. Um, from the uh you know 40s and 50s uh I I love I love Peter Lorre um
2: that was Wolf I of Wall of, Street like,
3: Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street was awesome
2: what's your favorite
3: movie the, uh, that you've been in my favorite movie that I've been in yeah
2: that you start that you've acted in
3: yeah I think Cold Mountain I never saw it but I I think it was the best script for any movie that I've been in
2: oh it's been around a while that was a play first right it was, I uh, can't remember the name. Yeah.
3: Of. What about History X? Yeah, and a book.
2: And a book, yeah. History
3: okay. X was great. History X was great. Had a good, tents good message. making that? Um, Yeah, you know, they put a bunch of fake uh, racist tattoos on me, and it would take so long to put them on and take them off that sometimes I would go home and, like, not wash them off. Oh, and yeah. and I remember one time stopping at a 7-Eleven, and I wasn't even thinking that I had all these swastikas and white power tattoos on myself and i i almost got beat up in the 7-eleven and i realized and i was like oh these are fake and then they were even like what the hell do you have these fake racist tattoos for i would be like Bro, we're, we're doing we're doing a movie really you guys are actually as... in it right now and uh this is yeah. a scene
2: where you're not supposed to beat me up
3: <laughs> Yeah,
2: exactly what's uh what do you got on the on the foreseeable future i mean what's i mean we got your podcast tell us a little bit about american Glutton.
3: I've been having so much fun with American glutton, just talking to people. And, and the, the, the most amazing part for me is all these kind of like bodybuilders and, and kind of dietary experts that I've been reading books by for years. I now get to like have conversations with them for free. Whereas normally like, you know, just to get a consultation with these guys is thousands of dollars. So I feel like the luckiest guy on earth, um, taking notes, podcast, and then I have a movie coming out on um, March 13th called The Hunt, which is actually really, really good. It's gotten uh, a lot of bad press from both the left and the right politically, but n- neither side has it figured out, and it's a really good movie. The
2: Hunt. All right. If you're upsetting all the politicians, probably telling the truth. Then. Yeah. You're doing a good job. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's pissed. Yeah. So I got a question. when it, When it, like with gluttony and we all have a sin that's tapped inside of us you can you spend your whole life trying to harness it so you can either hurt people with it or let it hurt you or help people from it now yeah. you notice like the linemen and football and all the athletes and bigger guys man they work out they're in shape kind of all through that and then at, at the end they go up to that to the bigger scale i mean they put on all the weight. It's reverse the kind of the way you did it you you guys talk right. about that quite a bit
3: we talk about all of that yeah we talk about i mean i'm really thinking about i I did do it exactly reverse of what of what you're saying but i I never had you know i never as a as a kid experienced the joy of exercise that I now have totally learned to like you know go to the gym and and actually feel better after I work out than I do before, so I don't know if I wasn't pushed hard enough in school, but I never had that and and so any anytime you're consuming. Enough to be an athlete, but not being athletic you're gonna you're gonna gain all that weight
2: that's a great way of saying that. I never heard it said that way be, having the 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 joy that the body and the mind have when it works out together
3: yeah, man. I mean look what you what you guys did I can't imagine like just from buds, right like I look at buds, and that to me is entirely not only a physical test but it's a test of of will right? Like I I can't imagine doing anything like that, but I do know that a day that I go and start my day at the gym is a better day mentally and physically than a day that I have to rest. And I had never, I didn't know that as a kid, like I hadn't, and I, I don't think you can tell somebody that and have them understand it until they just experience it. It is an experience. Oh
2: yeah. Especially if, if you just rest too long and it goes in reverse, uh, you just kind of just sit yeah. there doing it, being counterproductive because it'll, the body will, will accommodate. If you're sitting there playing games, it will turn into something that can, that can fill up a chair. And you are just kind of doing that mental workout. But when you get out there and I mean, you see kids run around and they're laughing all the time while they're running, it's just because there's joy in that.
3: Yeah. I, I think there's, the, there's also the mental aspect of setting a goal and achieving a goal. Is there's something there? I don't know if it's you know if we wanted to be strictly biological and go. You're getting some reward of dopamine for setting an arbitrary goal and achieving it, and you're kind of tricking yourself into this feeling of elation over that. Because like, I could set a goal to do you know, 20 sets of 225 on the bench press. W- what does that mean? That doesn't that's not a, uh, an accomplishment that means anything. But it's a random goal I set so the, When I do that, I feel good. And I think it's the same thing of like a guy, dude who runs a marathon, just running the marathon is a goal you set, just doing it. You're going to feel good about accomplishing that. So you can go into the gym and set any number of arbitrary goals and just achieving those goals. You're going to feel better on top of whatever physically is going on. That makes you feel better.
2: Well, they're not arbitrary either. I mean, well, they're personal. Your body and your mind—you—you right. you accomplish that, and the, the satisfaction—it's—it's it's one of those deals. You don't need somebody to tell you that you did—you you did it. I mean, you could feel right. it, and you did exactly.
3: it. Exactly, you're exactly right. I mean, arbitrary, just in like—I don't know—it's—it is—it's just—it's a personal goal. That's exactly right.
2: It feels good. I mean, it's—it's it's one of the ones you did you, just you and your mind, your body, and that steel because it—it don't—you it, yeah. know—it won't talk back. I mean, if that's unforgiving, especially if you try to mess with too much of it. I mean, it, it yep. literally follows you one, one pound at a time. Dude, so I, what, I'm looking at pictures of you right now, bro, and I, at 275. You, how do you even get in the door? That's impressive. I know. What's <laughs> it's a piece incredible. of What's a piece of advice you could give somebody, man, if they're just because a lot of the people they don't. I mean, they look at you. We've been watching you your whole life, and it, it, it's funny because even when they when we watch you your whole life and you see where you're at now, it, it's like the transformation just happened overnight. I guess that's because we only get right. one day down here really to actively engage it, but it's a, uh, what what do you what do you tell the guys who are just coming in?
3: It is a, a matter of setting goals. No matter how arbitrary they may seem to you, any goal is a valid goal and then just figuring out how to achieve that. It certainly was not overnight. I mean, I weighed two thirty I sorry, I weighed five thirty six in two thousand two. And so it's taken me 18 years to get to where I'm at today of like being around 10% body fat and 263 pounds, um, which is it's, that's a lot of work, but in between there, I had my swings. I was at 1. 200 pounds, so I was 63 pounds lighter than I am now. And I was really, really thin um, I still had big legs cause I was riding bicycles every day, but I was unhappy at that weight. I didn't, I felt like a light breeze would blow me over. I wasn't, I, you know, I, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I, I, I was being myself. I felt like I was being somebody else. And so I had to go back up to around 400 pounds in order to feel like even close to comfortable. And then throughout my cut down to where I'm at now at 350. I was really like, this is an okay weight too, you know. Um, and and my wife was like, no, you can you can do better than you're doing at 350. And and I cut another about 75, 80 pounds, and and I, and she was totally right because I feel like fantastic today, um, and I'm not self conscious and I feel confident in my body. I'm still got some size to me, you know. To, uh, honestly. I'm still a really big dude.
2: Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Cutting 200 pounds is a lot. Most people, they were like, hey, man, I need to drop some weight, like 7, 10 pounds, maybe 15. You're talking about your body, the way you cycled through that is literally almost every human being on the planet. Yeah, you, you went you through that weight. You two yeah. human beings. Uh, and, uh, so where yeah. do you think the, discur- the, the discouragement comes from? Because people are like, I need to lose all this weight. Is it is because if you tack that, like, I got to lose 50 pounds. Well, no one can lose 50 pounds in one day. And that's all right. we got one day you go into the gym and I'm going to go in here and just lift, try to get rid of one pound in one week. Start like that. And before you know it, yeah, I, I've fluctuated through 500 plus. I mean, well, up and down, right? So that's like thousand.
3: I mean, you dropping and yeah. putting on that much weight. That's amazing. I, I haven't, I haven't sat down and actually calculated. It's, it's got it's gotta be well over 500 that I've actually lost. I've actually lost over 500 pounds, which is crazy. Um, awesome. more than that. that, but yeah. it's probably quite a bit more than that because I have done a lot of fluctuating. Like there were years in there where I was just like I didn't care, and then I would care for a month and do something stupid, like a you know at three hundred and fifty pounds I would do you know a five hundred calorie a day diet, and I would just tear through my muscle and and do like unhealthy stuff like that too. Anybody like I. I even me needing to lose five pounds today, I'm thinking about months of work. And then I'm thinking about what am I going to do after that? There's going to be a maintenance period and that's going to be months of work. And then after that, I'm going to do what I'm trying to do a lean massing phase where I build a little bit of muscle. And when I say a little bit of muscle, I'm talking about three pounds of muscle, which might come with also three or four pounds of fat, which I then have to cut off again. You know, So I'm thinking about it in really long terms. Nothing today is happening overnight. And I think in the beginning, if I had had this kind of uh, attitude towards it and and anyone going from morbidly obese to trying to be lean should really factor in a lot of maintenance periods because you're going to you're going to burn up your hormones your body's going to stop wanting to lose fat you're going to start running into muscle loss all of that is going to be true if you just try to go from 500 straight through dieting all the way down you're just going to run into obstacles which could be mitigated with uh, diet breaks. And when I say diet break, a diet break is not eat whatever you want. Your diet is exactly the same. It's just slightly elevated calories, you, you know?
2: So that's probably why, is that why you, they rebound, rebound faster? So if you do it too fast, it'll, it, the body will want to come right back to where it was and it puts it on faster.
3: Oh yeah. And probably but, a little bit, a, probably a little
2: bit more weight because it, it feels like it's been beat up and shocked. Once it starts eating you know, fat and all the hormones start getting out of whack,
3: So if you try to, if you, if you feed it up, you got to feed it down, right? Exactly. Exactly. And there's actually a scientific, a crazy scientific thing that happens in there too, where you have a finite number of fat cells. You don't, when you gain weight, those fat cells just get bigger. You don't gain fat cells. The only time you can gain fat cells is when you've starved yourself and then you overeat. And that is this kind of magical moment where you can really screw up your metabolism because your body goes, we've been starving, which starving only equals death to the body. The body doesn't know you're losing weight to be healthy. It thinks you're dying. And then it goes, well, we need to we need to be able to uh, develop fat even faster. So. The minute you start overeating, you're suddenly in this magical place where your body is creating new fat cells so that you can build fat even faster the next time. So you don't start. It screws up your metabolism. It's like the worst thing you can do for yourself. Like, you know, you hear doctors say yo-yo dieting is bad. It's really, really bad. It, It makes it so much harder to lose weight the next time around. It makes it so much easier to store fat. Like, it's it's a perfect storm to stay fat.
4: Ethan, man, it was great. It was really great to hear your story and like your mentality. I think that there's one thing that you talked about on one of your most recent episodes of your show that I think our listeners would take a lot away from, which was you and Tom's conversation about killing your clone. Before we wrap today's oh, episode, yeah. would you maybe share just a little bit of that with our listeners?
3: Yeah, I, I love Tom. Tom Kier, he, he. I, I actually got to play a character based on him, he's the most badass dude I know, and you know I had heard what was about his name again? Him I'm sorry, Tom Kyer. He's 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 a he 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 comes from a, a martial arts school called Saiok, which is all kind of like Filipino knife fighting. And he 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 like did the the fight choreography for the the Hunted. You know that Benicio del Toro oh, movie. Yeah.
1: So Love he's that just
3: this like, he's a badass edged weapons dude, and you know I, I go in to meet him, and I'm just thinking like, here's this tough mar- martial artist dude. But we sat down and talked, and at least half of his practice is is mental. It's all like mindset and like going in, and you know it is it is all kind of directed around violent encounters. But what I came away with it was like you can apply his philosophy to winning anything he he is kind of constructed it in his school sayak Kali is constructed around getting through a violent encounter and being victorious but it applies to anything you do any goal you have any situation you encounter and the the most profound one for me is he talked about every single day at midnight he fights to the death the clone of him 24 hours in the past, and he has to have improved, even if it's just the tiniest little amount every day so that he wins that f- that fight every night at midnight. He has to be able to kill a clone of himself from 24 hours in the past. And that, for him, might literally be he has to train with his knives that day so that he can, cause you know, I assume his clone 24 hours in the past has knives and he has knives and they're going to have a knife fight. But for me, it, it's going to be about like, how did I do today on my diet? And even if it's rest, if on a rest day, I go at the end of the day, my clone didn't rest yesterday. I got my rest today. I'm going to win tonight. You know, I'm going to beat myself from yesterday. Every day I have to do something. And that could mean, read 10 pages of a book, go on a walk, uh, do some training, some, some, you know, martial arts templates, um, go to the gym, go roll jiu-jitsu, go on a bike ride, uh, read philosophy, whatever it is every day, I have to do something to improve myself. And as long as I've improved myself, even if it's like 0.0001%, as long as I've improved myself, I win um and and that is something i think about every day did i am i killing my clone am i going to do something today that's going to enable me to kill my clone tonight and and i think that's a super powerful message
2: i i've, I've heard it explained that way too man but uh, it's got to outdo your time remnant because yesterday is gone so everything if, whoever you ran into if whatever you said to them that's what they're going to pass on that's how the, the the past comes back up to haunt you if you will and then yeah you know, something gets you that that yesterday man you wake up and you try to do it better the next day try to yeah i'll do your time because you know I mean? I have any idea of tomorrow's coming and we got we got that today is. and then so how can our listeners uh follow you and support you and what you got going on brother i mean because like i said we're just we're fans
3: oh thank you uh american glutton podcast it's available on all the uh, anywhere podcasts i guess i i was into it on some Apple app, but I think it's on Spotify and all the, all the apps for podcasts and, uh, adding consistently on Instagram. That's all
2: right. We'll find it, man. We had a guy on earlier. He didn't even know the name of his (laughs) (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Yeah. And say that we were fans, man. I I, I like to say, man, we just appreciate your work.
3: Oh, thank you.
2: being able to get up to uh, and spend some time up in Hollywood like we did around, around you guys. I mean, y'all serve a purpose. Y'all are our stars. Y'all, y'all are kind of our reflection. Y'all got I us mean, through deployment. Yeah, man. Y'all, y'all make the, the movies of the stuff that every, everyone's living and we get to watch it on TV and just kind of takes us out of our reality and, and lets us know that there's other people out there and you guys do a great job of, it. and you have over the years, man, I, I wish
3: you nothing but the best. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I love what you guys do too. Thank you.
2: All right, my man. Hopefully we'll run into each other one day. Yep. Thanks, Ethan. Yes, sir. Hit me up when you're out in LA. Let's get a workout. Roger that. All right. right. You got it. Uh, Take
3: care, man. Bye. Talk to you. Bye. It's
4: time for a listener story. We actually take the stories that have been submitted on the website, we read them out loud. We react, we provide encouragement, because we are inspired to share our stories so that others will never quit as well, and we're so pumped that you guys share your stories. Today's story comes from Nicholas. His story is titled, The Year That Saved My Life. Let's jump in. Throughout my life, I've struggled in two major areas, academics and my weight. I've always been the stupid fat kid in elementary, middle school, and high school. I was the happy-go-lucky kid who didn't care and just embraced the narrative that I was portrayed as. Fast forward to my sophomore year of high school, finished our football season, and really took a turn for the worst in regards to my weight and grades. I was gaining weight at a rapid rate, and I had less than a 1.0 with four Fs. At the end of the year, I was ineligible for the following football season. I weighed 407 pounds, and after the school year was over, I went to the doctor and was told that if I didn't make any drastic changes, that I wouldn't make it to my 30th birthday. It was the day after that that I would begin to change my life. It was rock bottom for me. I harnessed all my built-up anger, stress, anxiety, depression, you name it, set it aside, and put all my focus into myself and being positive. I trained all summer, lifted and ran every day, but I wasn't seeing results. And I realized it was because I wasn't changing my diet. The beginning of my junior year, all I had to do was focus on my weight and grades, and that's what happened. I set a goal. Simple. Be better. Over the course of the next nine months, I lost 70 pounds and reached 335 pounds and maintained a 3.5 GPA, and my motivation that whole time was to get back out on the field with my brothers, and I was going to do whatever it took to do just that. So I played out our senior season, and at season's end, I put everything into training and became obsessed with the process, and by the time I graduated high school, I weighed 278 pounds and had a 3.67 GPA. During that low point of my life was right around the time Lone Survivor came out, and I researched more and really used what Marcus had to say as motivation, and to truly never quit and stay the course. So here I am, three years later, healthy, happy, and about to graduate college in top of my class. Never quit, Nicholas. Damn, we need to have him on the show. Great story.
2: I mean, all them guys were right in and be like, man, my life was this, that, and the other. It was like, "But I made a 3.5 GPA, and I learned how to change my diet, and I'm like... Top of the class. I mean... All I- right. Buddy, which, you need to go on a speaking tour. Which part was the bad part about his life? I mean, he was bottom out at four hundred plus pounds and had a zero point or 1.0. That was the starting point. I get that. Oh, exactly. Yeah, about that. The journey, I mean, the whole time he's like, "Man, it was this and the other." I mean, three point five. Kind of like that might be about me, man. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, that's just, a remarkable story. Yeah, too. I would want. I'd want to know more about. Hey, hey, look! Literally, it, that's a mental thing. I mean, you have to cross over
0: yeah, and ex- accept
2: everything that's coming. Your way. They just started asking him, was like, okay, wait, you get the, because everyone starts at that spot, and then they get to that hard point, and like, you know, it was the mental fortune. I was like, okay, like, what? Yeah, what? Like, did you watch Spider-Man? Like, what <laughs> What was the first one, right? Like, get up. You know? right, first, or, or, like, first, good job, like, bro. The, yeah, like, what is it? what was the first thing you did? Did you listen to David Goggins? Yeah, right? Probably. Or Ethan's? Something. Yeah, so
4: please, this is the, probably the best podcast to put this story on, just because of the fact that... I mean, yeah, he Ethan, clearly had that mindset thing down. I mean, he did his in three years. Ethan did his in 18. Yeah. A little different. Oh, long track.
2: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, each one of these, the more we do it this, it can each, be done. Each podcast feeds itself. Like, you, if you got a problem with with gluttony, check out uh, Ethan. Ethan. If you need the motivation to get, get to Ethan, check us out. <laughs> you know, one, one will feed the other. That's an amazing story. Thanks
4: for sharing that, brother. Yeah, yeah, Nicholas, thanks man. for sharing. We'd love to Can't hear more about hear what, how you... Yeah, your yeah. next story. Yeah, Drop right some.
2: back in. Let us know where you're at, man. Where you're graduating from, what you're graduating in.
4: Yeah, what, get, get what, you on the what bo- got you through I the mean, weight loss journey? We need, need to have a tack call, wall. Call yeah. in the
2: podcast and say, hey, man, call in an update. That's so this, is the, this is the team member that lost the most weight so far. Like, you know how guys try to lift the most weight, so we had the, the world record on... Weight loss. On weight lifting and weight loss.
4: Yeah, Chris was right. Yeah. These are our T&Q ambassadors. Man. Well, thanks again for sharing your story. If you'd like to share your story, you can head over to teamneverquit.com slash podcast. There's a share your story button at the top in the navigation. We love it when you share your stories. You can encourage other folks. You can read stories. You can write your own story. We love it when you do it. If well, you are you doing us- the voice? Oh, yeah, because it <clears throat> hurts my throat. I can only do it for so many days. Oh, you shouldn't have done it in the first place then. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> Can't give us a delivery like that and not bring it in, man.
2: It's because you're not practicing.
4: Okay, there you go. this man is tired of doing the voice I thought we right made the now.
2: deal it was like, hey, that's all the voice we're
4: Just <laughs> 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 be hoarse all the time. What a freaking guy, huh? 6'2", two- two,
2: 270, 10% body fat. That part's cool, I, too, I man, don't think but people I, know what that means. That's some, like, incredible Hulk-looking thing. You look at pictures on him online, buddy. I mean...
4: Boy, he's, dude, he's ripped. Bro. Well, yeah,
2: hey, he's going past the in-shape part. You oh, get, yeah. You drop down 10% and get those... You know, he got, that, he's got, he got the bug, obviously. Yeah. Well, good. I mean, that's great. I'm, I'm glad to see how far he can... And get. a humble guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, great conversation. Just great story. I'm glad he grew up the way he did. That's, it did, man. That makes it for a, a great personality. I mean, every movie he has, he's like, "Man, I love doing that." <laughs> he's always, yeah, such positive yeah, guy.
4: Yeah, I just like being there. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, check out his podcast. It's called American Glutton, not gluten. American Glutton, and uh, it's fascinating. Kara's a huge fan, and uh, they've they've just they've got some. He's great got great guests. perspective because he came from 560 yeah. plus pounds, even heavier possibly. He had a lot of weight in his early life. And what was cool too was he wasn't completely happy in that time, but he accepted it. And so because of that, his perspective is unique in the sense that he's seen it from both angles. I should have asked him, I was like, well, not, we, I know that we're all unhappy
2: when we're teenagers. I yeah. mean, I looked like a stork that swallowed a turtle when I was growing, and it's is weird. But, I mean, when you look at me, were you really, were, were you really unhappy? Yeah, remember when my hips grew first? <laughs> I didn't have a chest. Remember that? God, dang. Trying to, I, <laughs> me, I, I was trying to visualize picture. the turtle in the stork <laughs> belly. No, no, in the throat. A wide bottom? Yeah, stork swallowed a turtle and got it's caught in head. his throat. That's what my hips look like because my legs were so skinny and I didn't, know didn't have a chest. Hell, we were 40, 40 when our legs finally I'm, I'm, I'm came proportional to our body. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway. That was built more like a shark. He's got new movies coming out. I mean, He's still killing it. Oh, yeah. Having fun. That, that's what a portfolio I, this guy has. Alright. I mean, it is. And that, I for, yeah, he was in Road Trip. I forgot that. At the end. Or he was on... No, the whole thing. The tour. <laughs> oh, should I should have asked him what Tom Green was like. I didn't even think about that. And he was the guy with the mom kissing Tom Green, right?
4: Yeah. <laughs>
3: oh, man.
4: Well, y'all make sure to go support Ethan. Ethan Supley on Instagram, American Glutton Podcast. It, just, it was just a great interview. And one hell of a model American. Yeah, America. Yeah, one hell of a plus-size model in shape American. One male model on yeah. a destined to lose 500 pounds. One actor. The gym. If you want to be the first one to know when we drop a new show, we do it every Wednesday. The all the plays. All the I can't even talk English.
1: <laughs> Release. <laughs>
4: iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Share the episode with a friend. Follow us on social media. Marcus Latrell, Mojo Latrell, Andrew Brockenbush, team underscore never quit. And thank you guys for coming back every single week. I'm out.